Welcome to Connected, a podcast with Jess. That's me. Connections are the secret to a whole life. Recognizing the connections between us and within us, mind, body, and soul, reveals the fullest potential of our humanity. Join me as I discover what connects us to each other and to ourselves. Your mind, body, and soul were not meant to live disconnected from each other. Putting all the beautiful parts of you into one breathtakingly whole experience is what you deserve. As a life coach, I work to support your story. Together, we can set free the story of you. I bring guests onto my show so that you can hear powerful stories of other women all across the world. I want you to see how profoundly important living and telling stories is. I understand what it feels like to live under expectations and programming that are not aligned with who you are. I learned to write my own story in my year of Jess, and I want to guide you as you write the story of you. Your beauty, power, and value are already in there, in you. It's time to rise into it and uncage the limitless experience that is you. You've been held back for far too long. It's time, time to take your pen back and write the story of you. If this makes your heart leap even just a little bit, let's talk. You can find out more about working with me on my website at jessicatravis.com. I hope to hear from you soon. talking with my friend Erica. <laughs> we are literally neighbors. Um, we are, uh, their, their house is my um, 5k turnaround point. So I go out to their house, turn around and come home and it's a 5k. <laughs> so, um, so welcome Erica. I am glad to have you on my podcast. Thank you for having me. So Erica, um, I asked to come and talk with me because we've uh, we've stayed in touch uh, in in you know virtual and um, on social media and our mullet tag group yes. <laughs> in different spaces <laughs> during um, this last year um, of the crazy COVID life we now live in and um, so we just want to talk about what that experience has been for us and um, specifically with you being a teacher and how this has all affected you personally as a teacher and um, in our area. Um, but I wanted to ask you, um, there was a specific reason why we are, we are, we are recording today and um, I'd love for you to share what that is, the date. 
today. Thank you. I'm like, what? <laughs> You're Isn't like, wait, you I forgot what we talked about. It's okay. Yes. Um, today is March 13th. So last year, it was Friday the 13th. Yeah. And at the end of that school day, and of course, COVID was looming. Mm-hmm. We had, you know, all the reports coming off of the, out of the West Side. And so we knew it was looming and something might happen. But by the end of that day, um, that was when the governor decided, you know, it's not safe. We just don't know. We don't yeah. know and we don't think we should be at school. And so a message went home to all the families that, hey, we're, there's going to be some weeks off. We didn't know how long that would be. Yeah. They kind of had a that start point and an end point. And at yeah. that point, we were all full of hope that it would just, you know, flatten the curve and we'll all be back in school. <laughs> um, so school's closed. And our new life as digital teachers and digital learners began that next Monday. Yeah. It was it was kind of crazy. It was a wild ride. Yeah. None of us knew what we were in for, what this would look like. Or um, I think for the most part, we were all pretty optimistic it would pass pretty quick. Mm-hmm. So um, so I want, I want us to be able to dive into kind of what happened after that. But before we do, I I want to ask you, I ask all of my guests this on my podcast, but um, I, I work hard not to tell um, the listeners who you are and what your, you know, credentials or education or any of that is, because I want my guests to share who they are from their own words and whatever that um, description is for you and what you um, want us to know about you. So Erica, who are you? (laughs) I am a 17 year public educator. I don't know that I would necessarily lead with my career, but Mm -hmm. um, married to Joey Addington. Um, I I refer to myself as country mouse, city mouse. Because I was raised in a small town, small little apple town in the Yakima mm-hmm. Valley. That's where my family still resides. And moved to Spokane. And I love it here. And I don't ever want to live in the country ever again. That was, a, <laughs> that was you know, it was a wonderful there, upbringing. But don't need to do that again, <laughs> you know. But my upbringing was in a small town uh, with everything that comes with that. And it's just been a wonderful change to live in a more urban area. Mm-hmm. And yet we still, it takes us just a few minutes to feel like we're out in the middle of, you know, open nature and that sort of thing. So it's, it's a great mix of both here in Spokane. Yeah. I would describe myself as an avid outdoorsy person. Mm -hmm. Um, I love hiking. Used to dabble in running. I'm more of a walker now. (laughs) (laughs) Right there with you. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I just, I, I love doing outdoorsy things, bike riding, um, I, last year, no, two years ago it was, I took up fly fishing. I'm, I'm by no means know what I'm doing at all. Um, <laughs> but just, just have fun learning and exploring new things outdoors. Yeah. And I think that's actually how we met you and Joey was in the running community out doing, uh, just social runs with groups of people. And, mm-hmm. um, because that's, what you kind of what you do here in yeah. Spokane yep. too, yeah. and then you're out doing something outdoorsy, and you run into all the people that you're you doing something different. Yeah. You know, last week we're all running together, and then you run into those people up on a mountain hiking. Or yeah, it's it definitely is a big city with a small town feel, which is I think why I'm so satisfied yeah. living here. Yeah. So let's uh, um, like I said, we met 
in the running community and um, we we have both had um, the experience of being home in a shelter in and figuring out how to move back into full-time work um, and what that looks like. But your story is interesting to me because um, it has been such a crazy ride for educators, kids, parents um, navigating this roller coaster of a pandemic. And um, and I'm, you know, we talked about what we would talk about on in this interview, but um, one of the things that we didn't want to do was sit here and decide who did it right and who didn't do it right, right? Um, but we, but I wanted you to be able to share some of the things that um, you experienced through the pandemic as an educator, and um, but also just as Erica, what did you do during this time that helped you, you know, find light in the midst of this isolated time? So let's pick up where you kind of left off with um, that following Monday, like. What happened after everything shut down? What what did you do? What <laughs> what tools did you have? Like it was just so new to everybody. It was so new to everyone. And that following Monday, as I recall, it was kind of a week off for the kids. Um, because teachers and administrators had to scramble and make a plan. Mm. There was no plan going into right. this. It was okay, what's this now gonna look like? Like early spring break, let us figure this out. Yeah. <laughs> and we can't have you in the building. Mm-hmm. So that was that was not an option. They just didn't know enough about the virus. Well, and for us here in Washington, we had it a uh, breakout in Seattle. So we mm-hmm. knew that it was coming to our front door very quickly um, if we didn't do anything. So the state of Washington, I think, was one of the first movers to mm-hmm. we probably need to shut down. Right. And so, yeah, it was just staff meeting after staff meeting of, you know, you know, obviously my principal was having meetings with upper admin and decisions were being made. And it was just a lot of anxiety. Like, what does this look like? Of course, you've got teachers from all age groups and all technology experiences. Mm. You've got teachers who are very comfortable with technology and then, you, you know, you have some teachers that it scares them. Yeah. You know, and so there was just all sorts of levels of anxiety over that. Um, there was no training. It was just, okay, you we have all these skill sets and we're going to just, we're going to come together and we're mm-hmm. going to do what we can do in these next few weeks. And at that point, we were all pretty hopeful we'd be back to school. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was a lot at mm-hmm. first. It yeah. was like, all of a sudden, change your game plan. The year yeah. was going wonderfully. And it was, you know, I don't, people who aren't in teaching, March is like a magical month. It's this mm. long month with no interruptions. There aren't holidays. And you just make all this progress in March. You've mm. kind of reached this point where all the learning is really coming together and now we're really applying it and we're really getting somewhere with it. And so you're not have testing March, yet. And no, you're, you're not, not testing yet. Yeah. And just to have March interrupted is like, wow. wow. Yeah. And on top of that, I had a student teacher mm. who, who was right in the middle of her, you know, not her practicum. It was her student teaching experience. And um, she was almost at the end. She had started to hand off 
the teaching back to me. So mm-hmm. she had just finished kind of her full-time part. And that was sad. I like, I felt sad for her for that too. Mm-hmm. You know, her wonderful experience. And she really was top notch. Um, she didn't really get a chance, any closure either to say goodbye to this group of kids she'd bonded mm-hmm. with. And, and that experience was just sort of rug pulled out from under her. Do you know what happened to those who were in the education a system for themselves to be educators? I mean, did did that just kind of halt everyone from being able to move forward in that process? Or do you even know that? I don't I don't know for other students. She was a WSU student and because they're on semesters, she mm. had had a much longer experience. Perhaps mm. I know some other students had to come back and finish their experience this gotcha. fall. And they had to finish their experience teaching online. Um, she had put in enough time. She, like I said, she gotten through the one-on-one piece, or not one-on-one. She was in charge of the class. Mm-hmm. She'd gotten, you know, through that piece, and so she had done enough independent teaching mm-hmm. with the class, and with my supervision and her WSU supervisor having observed her several times, it, we were able to say yes, she's. She's capable and ready, and she's met all the criteria. But I know that wasn't the case for all students that were in that process that hadn't had enough observations yet, Yeah, um, hadn't gone through all the formalities yet. She'd also finished her um, – there's a big portfolio, and it's almost like a, a big uh, evaluation that they have to do in this process. And she had already checked all the boxes for that, too. So she was very lucky. She was through the Mm. process to the point where she could move forward and we could confidently say she'd met all the criteria and was ready to get her teaching credentials. But I feel really bad for the students who that happened to them midway and, you know, they're paying tuition and then they're, I don't know what happened with that. Yeah. I know for my daughter, she had a, I think she had one online class at the time anyway, and they moved everything online from Eastern Washington University. Um, and for her, with a new little one, this was like perfect. Like she could stay home with him and do school and everything. But um, so there was a little bit of a, a gift in that for her. But, uh, you know, she was in a, a mode to education being her um, major. And She's been really rethinking, like, what does this look like now to be an educator? Um, Can I actually finish this out? Are there going to be a need for more teachers, less teachers? Like, do I have to rethink where I'm headed? So, um, yeah, this this has so many layers to it as far as how the pandemic affected education. Um, What did you guys end up doing um, for... Uh, they they're home for a week and then you jump back into a completely online platform. Was that right? Mostly. I mean, for us, yes, we were delivering everything digitally. Um, you know, first step was to be sure, does everyone have access to that? And oh, then what do yeah. we do for the students who don't? And because I work for a large school district, um, they had the workforce to have sort of a plan B for students who didn't have access to mm. technology and they had um, paper, paper pencil work for mm. those kids um, throughout the spring. Um, and so we jumped right into 
planning what a week looks like. And, you know, we were definitely told less is more. Obviously, this is we're flipping this on all the yeah. kids, too. We can't all of a sudden say, here, we're going to give you all the work we would have done in a week in the classroom. Like, that's just yeah. not realistic. So well, and mom and dad weren't necessarily yeah. home yet. No, this this they were shut down bef- or sent home before mom and dad were sent home mm-hmm. for shelter in. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we started looking at what's essential. What are the essential skills and essential learnings that we haven't covered yet? And we're going to just hone in on f- and focus on those things. ELA, math. Um, at that time, we were in a social studies unit. We did a little bit with that to give kind of a, you know, some fun and enriching mm-hmm. lessons with that. But um yeah, we really honed in on the ELA skills and the math skills to just really at least try to bring them to the end of the year. But ultimately, because it wasn't live instruction, hmm. um, that wasn't really possible to make sure that all students had internet that supported that. You know, yeah. Zoom was sort of a new thing. Like, it wasn't a new thing, but it was a new thing to a lot of fields yeah. like that we would be using this. And there was a lot of uncertainty with that, like, um, liability wise, Mm -hmm. do we even encourage teachers to go live with students right now? What's it look like if someone hops out of the bathroom and they're partially clothed, you know, these things that you don't think about. And all of a sudden it's like, am I now responsible because my class just saw something inappropriate in someone else's background, not even necessarily mine, but I'm the one hosting this meeting. Um, So there was a lot of concern about liability at first and how it should look. Mm. Um, And I think, you know, that's something that maybe the larger public didn't know a lot of that, you know, a lot of that conversation. I think there was a lot of next week, why aren't we, why aren't we delivering things live? Because there were some schools that, that did dive into that. Um, but I think that there were a lot of liability conversations going on around Absolutely. Zoom and, and what we should do live. And yeah, it was it was all yeah. un, uncharted territory. And probably <laughs> really different for every grade level because that experience, that age has a very different experience with distance learning with, the, you know, live versus, you know, digital like. All of that would be very different. It's not just a clear-cut answer. No. Um, and, and so it many depended on what you taught too. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, a science teacher is going. Ah, uh, how do I do labs? <laughs> like, what what do I do? You know, yeah. they're just delivering content at that point. Yeah. Um, you know, I have a a friend that teaches engineering at GU, and she was like, "How do I teach engineering mm-hmm. through a computer screen? It's just completely hands-on." Yeah. So, yeah, there were a lot of big problems to solve, and it was like solve them fast because yeah. we can't just leave all these kiddos and families hanging. No, and then and then the rest of us get shut down. So we come a few weeks after. I know for me, my work shut down sometime at the end of March, and uh, and nobody knew what was next. We all figured it was about two months possibly that we would be completely shut down, but nobody had a real clear idea. And so then you have all these families home together with kids having responsibilities. Some parents were working from home. Some just weren't working at all. 
um, some of our frontline workers, everything from grocery store to medical, are still working. And it's just this mixed up, like, how how does a family operate? Where's the accountability? Um, where's the supervision? Um, uh, is it mom that's home in, or is it dad that's home? Like, all these normalcies that we have known up until that point have drastically um, changed just overnight, just completely overnight. Um, so I know that every child's experience is going to be different, but did you, were you able to have any level of interaction with the students to the end of that year where you could kind of, uh, understand what, what they were going through in that very first, uh, you know, cause obviously it got different in the fall, but in that very first experience, Right. So we quickly, of course, you know, we have wonderful people in our district that um, our professional development team and they got right on it. They're like, what technologies can we use? How can we do this? So we had some pretty great technologies that allowed for even just a a video digital recording Mm. where I could, you know, interactively pose a question. Students could respond. They could see each other's videos, um, respond to each other. So that was one way that we were able to keep the students in, in kind of like still seeing each other and being connected with each other. Um, and then as time went on that spring, we did jump over to, um, wasn't zoom. It was through our Google classroom, Google meet, Google meets. Yeah. yeah. Google meets. So we started doing Google meets once a week as a class. Okay. So they could at least kind of, mm -hmm. because they're at this point, they're all used to being, with each other and then suddenly right. it's not just like going home from the summer it's I don't get to even see you outside of my home like we're just shut down right yeah and and they're like you said their experiences were so different um you know some students really engaged with the lessons that we posted and um and then some students you know social emotional needs were just they were just really struggling mm-hmm with it and it was just really hard for them to engage in any kind of is their lives were turned upside mm-hmm. down. I had one friend um through all of this who has a child on the spectrum and she said um you know and she has other children too and so all of every child in their family was having a different experience with this um uh, move to being at home for education and um and some kids thrive in it and other kids don't. But she said for her child who was, uh, who's on the spectrum, she said this was the first time she's getting A's and B's in school because she's actually able to separate the social experience that she needs that is causing so much difficulty for her being in school. Um, so she's actually doing really well on an education level. But some of that work that happens um, socially isn't happening any longer so it's sort of this trade, and other kids are incredibly deprived by this lack of social interaction and struggle even more with school. So um, just the more stories I hear, the more unique everybody's experience ends up being, how many kids they have at home, how many, uh, what grades they are, and what um, what their personalities are and their tendencies. It's just, I, I so I can't, for me, I, I watch... I watch these families come through um, my work with some kids in school, some kids not in school, 
some kids uh, doing well, some not doing well. And I just feel for parents and I feel for teachers right now. This was a whole other landscape that was not expected in an education career. Right. Um, and the heart of teachers, at least the ones that I know, is uh, usually very hands-on and very in terms of being in the classroom and Absolutely. textile feeling, seeing, yep. experiencing education. And in terms of instruct- instruction, absolutely. In terms of the heart of being a great educator is being able to have that relationship with your students. Mm-hmm. And when you're not in person and you're trying to do it through a screen, it's challenging. Yeah. You know, and this fall, of course, then we were 100% online Zooming with our students and it felt a little more structured like a school day. Mm, okay. So that was different than last spring. Last were you spring a full was, day or a half day or what did that look like? So in my district, um, they offered all kinds of options for parents. The, the two options that I oversaw was I had students most of the day. Uh, we, we started school at 8.30 in the morning, and um, I think I released them. Well, we had, of course, little breaks built in. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, this is like your recess break, but it's in your house, so <laughs> go take <laughs> your potty break. Sure yeah, you come back. Yeah, please come back. <laughs> and, uh, you know, little lunch breaks and things like that. And then um, at the end of the day, I believe we released them at about 2 o'clock, with um, just their independent learning to finish. Gotcha. So anything that was that just needed finishing up for the remainder mm-hmm. of the day, if they wanted to stay online and get some additional help to get through that learning, they certainly could. I stayed online. Um, and it was a time where I could offer a little more um, small group help to students gotcha. who needed that. And then other kiddos signed off and went about their business getting things done. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the day was a lot more structured and a lot of families liked that, I think. Mm-hmm. But then a lot of families were, that's way too much screen time. And so there were other options. So gotcha. in our district, you could do um, online with an intent, an intent to return Okay. when schools reopened. Okay. There was an option where you were completely on, you're choosing to be completely online for the year, live with a teacher, mm. but you're committing to doing that all year long. You just didn't feel safe returning whenever that return might be or whatever the timeline ended up being. And then there was another option that was online learning, but it wasn't really live on Zoom. It was more um, Mm self-paced. And then there was a fourth option, and that was an option that you wanted to do that all year long, but that you perhaps had a parent at home that was – not wanting so much screen team. time for their child, but able to oversee that learning and, and still have a certified teacher delivering all of the lessons and, gotcha. and um, instruction that way, but not in a live format. And, you know, with work schedules, some some children are in daycare, and so that learning right. might happen at different hours than gotcha. a traditional, you know, So they're really trying student. to support They're this offering all kinds stuff. of options. And then there was a fourth option that I did also oversee, which were students that... Um, were self-paced doing the learning I was providing, but they kind of came and went from Zoom. They were, you know, they would check in, but they were doing that work independently and kind of on their own time. Hmm. But I still was overseeing it and preparing it and delivering it to them. Gotcha. Um, 
So, but they had an intent to return. Gotcha. So there were, yeah, there were multiple options in our district, just, you know, and trying to support all the needs of families. So, so what did you, when did you return to the classroom? Let's see. I mean, with I, students. Yes, with students. So we were live on Zoom all the way through the end of October. I want to say close to the very beginning of November. I was going to say, it felt like return. people were mm-hmm. starting to go back before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. And was that like a um, like a Tuesday, Thursday thing, or what did that look? Five days a week. Really? All day, yeah. So Did you have different batches of students on those no, different days? because I, in the elementary world, because of all these other options, mm-hmm. there was a, there's a small enough class size that we could fit all of our students socially distant in our rooms. Okay. Because enough families had opted to be online all gotcha. year or had gone to other districts that had other options. And so um, it worked out to have very small class sizes socially distant in our rooms that we could teach mm. that group of kids. And what was that for you, moving from that to in-classroom? Was that... Uh, High anxiety, really? you know? Yeah, because at that time it was... You know, I was so excited to see my kids in person. Don't get me wrong. Right. All teachers want to teach in person. That's where we shine. Right. That's what we're trained to do. But in the middle of a pandemic mm-hmm. where there's no vaccine in sight for you. Right. You know, at that point, no, we, we were at the one. end of the yeah. list, it seemed like. You know, and even when talk of vaccine came out, it was like, well, where are teachers on this list? You know, we, we felt very <laughs> left out. Right. Um. So... We just didn't know there was there were few districts that had started the year in person and and had their own systems in place for reporting whether or not COVID was being spread in mm-hmm. schools or versus outside of schools and such. But you know, it, it was high anxiety. It was it was like we don't know what this will bring. Mm-hmm. We hope we stay healthy. Yeah, and we did, and you know, it ended up being wonderful. I'm so glad we went back. But there's an anxiety level. But there was a huge anxiety. Yeah. 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 At first. Yeah. There was for um, for us too. We we went back after I think about eight weeks, something like that. And um, and because I work in the dental field, um, we already have a lot of precautions in place that didn't look too different when we came back. Um, Except you know PPE had gone up by like seventy percent and. In cost, and so there were some, you know, back end things that we experienced. But the uh, the biggest adjustment for us was no waiting room, no magazines in the waiting room, <laughs> and uh, and then eating solo, like we weren't allowed to. We all had to go to separate places to have our lunch, and and I know that was an experience for you as well. Absolutely, right? yeah. It was like you were at work, but you were in Alone. isolation. Yeah. yeah. And teachers, teachers thrive on their breaks, you know, yeah. in, in grabbing their, their, their little tidbits of time with their colleagues. Yeah. Adult conversation. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And just even just that collaborative environment of, you know, did, so you taught lesson three in math today too. How did that go for you? I noticed these hiccups, you know, there's a lot of those conversations that we were missing because mm-hmm. some teachers were working from home. Because they chose that. I mm. personally chose to go into school. Our district offered offered to allow us, of course, to work from school in our classrooms. Or if you know, if you have children at home that 
are also schooling and you're a right. teacher. You needed to be home. Yeah, I yeah. got that. Yeah. And so, you know, they were they were great. They were flexible about those options too. But um, I needed to go into work. I needed that routine. Clock in, clock out. I needed my dining yeah. room to not be a classroom anymore. Yeah. You know, I needed to like claim my house again. <laughs> Yeah. To have that separation of, of work and life. Because your husband is working from home too. Yes. So that uh, that whole, I, I so get that when home becomes a workspace, it's so hard to know when to shut that off and turn that that one on. And what does, uh, what does time off look like? What does downtime look like right. when your whole space is, right. is wrapped around work? And for Joey, it was an invasion of his space, I think, you know, um, he he's always worked from home in this position that he has. And so COVID happened and he was like, I'm just going to keep going about things the way they've always been for me, you yeah. know, have my downstairs office. And of course, certain protocols and things changed in his in his world, too. But all of a sudden I'm at home. And, and I'm like, like, you're in the middle of my routine yeah. here. <laughs> and I'd have to like call down to him because his office is downstairs. And I'd have to be like, hey, turn that music down, you know. Or he's like blasting rap music or whatever, you know, or or <laughs> news that's got like political stuff going right. on. And, and I'm like, I'm about to record my lesson. I need you to shut it down. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah it, it was a disruption to him to have <laughs> to have yeah. third grade happening in his dining room. Yeah. So I was like, when the fall, when fall came and it was like, we knew it was safe for people to be isolated mm-hmm. in their own classrooms, working, staying, staying apart, of course, as adults. But, um, yeah, I needed that. I needed to be in my classroom doing my thing with all my materials there and, um, having that routine that this is yeah. my job here. And right. then I, when I leave at the end of the day, I go home. Yeah. <laughs> right. And probably for Joey too, being mm-hmm. able to say, "Okay, you're home now." Mm-hmm. So we we just we need those markers in our life, and I think that's one thing that this pandemic has done is it has blurred all the lines in life, and we're scrambling to find the definity somewhere in it to uh, to reorient. Um, even if we know we're not going back to normal as it was those lines seem to help us define what normal is going forward and routine and for sure I think there's a lot of people who now um are going to be working from home you know companies have yeah. have found financially this is this could be a good thing and yeah and it can be a great thing for lots of families to have the opportunity to work from home and you know we were chatting a little bit about just the efficiency yeah that you have when you're not yeah. going into an office so um, you know, I think that could be blurred mm-hmm. lines for a lot of people they're trying to figure out and wade through. Well, we're seeing there's that so many benefits to there it. There are. And we're seeing um, a lot of that play out with um, there's companies who said, hey, we've just cut a whole overhead budget by not having a building and having you work from home that now people can some, you know, depending on what you do, you can live completely wherever you want and do the same job. And um, so for some people, this pandemic has opened up opportunity in ways they never would have imagined. Um, I really do think that um, the kids kind of got the, the kids and teachers got the brunt end of this. This was the most uprooting um, for that sector of our community. 
um, the most adjustments. Um, you know, there's a lot of businesses that, you know, they could have said this a long time ago that they work remotely. I mean, they, they work remotely in a sense, but in an office together, you know, right. <laughs> they just had to move home. They just picked right. a different desk. still doing, right. applying the same skills, using right. the same technology. But you guys had to reinvent the whole system and somehow create a sense of everything's going to be okay for the kids that you're working with mm-hmm. and for yourself right. in the midst of that. While building the airplane, while flying it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It did feel that way, you know, and I would, well, first, if I jump back to last spring, physically, my body hurt so much Mm. because teaching is a up moving around the room job. And I was like, oh my gosh, my neck hurts so bad. And it it, all of a sudden it became sedentary, Mm. which is why we started walking so much. Okay. So share, (laughs) share about that. Cause I think what you and Joey did was, um, it, it was one fun to watch over social media, but um, I think uh, it seemed to give you guys life through the midst of this pandemic. So share what you started doing. Yes. So I, I think, honestly, it was probably born out of just my physical ailments of, of sitting all day mm. recording, <laughs> yeah. recording teaching, you know, and my teaching and my lessons. And um, there were a lot of, lot of long days sitting and staring at a computer, digitizing everything. Yeah figuring out what that looked like for third graders. And I know, goodness, I'm so grateful that I'm not a kindergarten teacher or, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bless those people. I mean, my gosh, that, that was really hard for those colleagues of mine yeah. that have the youngest. But, um, so anyway, these ailments, <laughs> these ailments I described, <laughs> um, I was like, Joey, I gotta move. We gotta do something. I gotta move. But I have been suffering from this Achilles tendonitis situation mm. for a long I just running was just not I wasn't feeling yeah. it yeah and, um and you can't talk really as much when no. you're running at least the type of runner that I am <laughs> yeah and there was a there was a heaviness and a weight that came with mm-hmm. the pandemic it was it was isn't much like when I got uh sent home to, uh, for shelter in I thought I had all this aspiration that all this time off I'm gonna do this 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 and this but there was this weight that came with what was going on in our world mm-hmm. that seemed to make that really difficult. Mm-hmm. And running was suddenly became not on my radar. It was, can, can we just move? Can we just get outside? Right. Well, and I very much know that where running is concerned, I am a social animal. Like, mm. I do it for the social interaction of running mm-hmm. groups. Um, and those and, were non-existent and at that point. the carrot of an event, the right. carrot of <laughs> those weren't there either. Mar- yeah, that wasn't there either. Uh-huh. So, you know, I would go out on my long runs, of course, solo and, and accomplish those on the weekends. But, yeah. you know, throughout the week, it was all about the social it's, running yeah. groups and stuff. Meeting up with people. And, yeah. yeah. And if I don't have a half marathon to train for, why would I run? Like, right. I'm not- <laughs> Right. Exactly. I'm just not that person. And I, I wish I was, but I'm not. And I'm also not someone who wants to really have conversation while I'm running. Right. Because I can't breathe. I, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm just not that. I'm not that gifted of a runner. I, I just do it yes. for the fun and the social aspects of it, but right. not because I'm incredibly talented at it. Yeah. But um, yeah, I just needed to move. But I think also part of me just needed to process every day too. Mm-hmm. And since we were 
not socializing with other people at that time. Uh, Joey was my person. And and so it just became, okay, let's go on a walk every day. Well, pretty soon we started joking like, oh, these are our COVID walks. Yeah. And so we took a walk every day and they got longer and longer. And we started exploring parts of our neighborhood that we'd never walked through, you know, streets, homes we'd never noticed. Mm. And we just started noticing all kinds of just funny things and beautiful things and, you know, yard signs full of hope and messages scrawled in windows and chalk art done by children that, Mm. that were inspiring and... Yeah, it was just such a kind of a fun experience. And some to, wildlife. Like, oh, I think sure. Joey almost died one time. Yep. We encountered a, a moose, <laughs> a bull moose. And he had to take the picture. Yeah, he did. I'm the one that was up in the front. And I said, Joey, there is something behind this bush. And he's like, no, no, all the moose, because we knew there were moose. Yeah. They're over there. No, no, Joey, there's something behind this bush. I can hear it rattling, rustling the bush. <laughs> I thought, maybe it's a deer. And... I said, you see what it is. I'm not going. And he, his eyes got so big. He was like, it's a bull. And I'm like, a bull? He's like, moose. And he's like mouthing it to me. And I'm like, run. And he's like, take a picture. I'm like, you are the people at Yellowstone that get their pants ripped yeah, off. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we just, we just got out and started walking and yeah. we learned so much about our neighborhood and. We walked from our house into downtown sometimes just because we could. <laughs> yeah, right. And you got outside and you, I, I mean, I think that was a thing this last summer where we all just craved outdoors as much mm-hmm. as we could. And um, and just the confinement inside just felt like it was going to, we were all going to pop. Right. Um, I am finding, as I talk to people, that now that we're starting to move into vaccinations and new phases, we're not actually quite sure what to do with that, how we actually feel about it. No matter what you feel about masking, no matter what you feel about, you know, what the governor's decisions are on the phases or any of that, um, there's a part of us that's gotten a little accustomed to being so careful mm-hmm. that we're not quite sure what this next thing feels like. Are we okay with it? And I know for you, going through the holidays um, with students, families feel all kinds of different things on the spectrum of safe to I don't believe this virus exists kind of, you know, (laughs) thing. And, And those kids are coming into your classroom with an experience over the holidays and all of that. And what is that for you as a teacher, knowing that you have no control over what families do and right. what they think, what they believe, but they're going to come into your classroom and um, and you're not vaccinated and you've worked really hard to stay safe during this time and you really want to teach. You really want to see these kids. What a, It seems to me that that's just such a, like a, a cluster of feelings that you don't always know what to do with. Right. Yeah. You know, and by Christmas time, it had been, you know, a good month and a half. We'd been in person in my district. And so by then I felt a real appreciation for the power of the mask. Hmm. They work. 
Mm. Our district did give us uh, KN95s every day. We mm. get a new one. Um, that's not the case for teachers across the state. That's mm. not consistent. Um, so, you know, again, very grateful and glad yeah. about that. Um, and social distancing, of course, just following those protocols that were in place. Um, I felt more confidence in that. Mm-hmm. But yes, I always called it my Monday morning temperature check in terms of what did everybody do for the weekend? You know, and it helped yeah. me always know a little bit more about gauging, okay, who, which families, um, you know, might align more with how I'm feeling in terms of mm-hmm. being playing it really safe. Um, Probably just a who, good reminder that yeah. not everybody's doing what I'm doing. So right. I can't yeah. assume. No that, judgment about yeah. it. It just helped me know, like, okay, you know, when someone comes back from Christmas and says they had a 30-person party, it makes uh, me go yeah. a little bit like, okay, I'm just going to I'm gonna play it extra safe for my I just know I need to I need to be sure I keep my social distance. I need to be sure that because it's so hard to slip. You up, and I both it? have our masks on. Yeah, yeah. I, and I find I have this um, plexiglass in front of my desk at work where people come and um, you know make their appointments and that sort of thing, and and it's like this natural thing that everyone does. I do it when I go to Home Depot, and you want to get on the other side of it so you can actually talk to someone. And right. we have a real problem, even though it's clear, we have a problem with something between us as human beings, which yeah. I think says a lot about us as human beings. Definitely. But it's it's one of those things that we don't consciously know that we're doing. And we have to be reminded, oh, can you please step in, you know, behind right. the plexiglass so that I can right. continue this conversation with you. And And it's some of that where you're like, you know, it would be so easy to miss those things. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, part of the the weight and the stress that we carry with us is this constant uh, relearning. Okay, did I do this right? Did I do this right? Right, right. <laughs> and I imagine in a classroom, especially depending on the ages of kids and their family experience and, and that what they believe about uh, social distancing and all of that, that just becomes... Um, such a weight to juggle as a teacher. Right. You know, and the thing about it is that, and I, I can't speak to all grade levels, but third graders, mm-hmm. I, I am so lucky to teach the grade I teach. They they are so in love with learning still, hmm. for the most part. Um, compliant, loving their teacher, um, following the expectations so that we can all be safe in our room. They just, they respect that mm-hmm. at that age so much. They're, they want to please, you know, there are all these things about third grade that are magical. And yeah. I learned that the kids are so resilient. Mm. They will do whatever it takes to be safe and follow the rules at school so that they can be there with their little friends. Yeah. Um, the, the kids don't have any problem wearing masks. They were, you know, week one. Yeah, there were some times where, yeah. you know, I tap my nose just a little reminder, like put it up over your nose. But um, by week two, it was like an extension of their wardrobe. Like it, they did some of them by now. Some of them don't even remember to take it off at recess when they can have a little mask break outdoors. They're just so used to having it on, and they yeah. don't complain about it. And they're just, yeah. you know, whatever. It's, it's sometimes the adults that, you know, I yeah. think have a harder time with these things, yeah. this change. Agreed. They just rose to the occasion and they were thrilled to be back at school. 
And they yeah. were willing to do all the things without complaint mm. at that age. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I imagine it yeah. probably is different. We I was talking with somebody at work the other day that um, kindergartners for this school year, um, they don't have any frame of reference of what school is supposed to be like. So this is just, this is their normal this yeah. year, right? Right. Um, but it's us as parents who have an idea because we've already experienced school. We've already experienced kindergarten. We have an expectation of what that experience for our child is going to be. And so it's actually harder for us to switch gears and to say this is going to look different. Mm-hmm. But those little kindergartners, they're just like, oh, I'm not at home. And I am doing this thing. And their brain is being stimulated. And they're 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 just wearing a mask or they're just doing it right. at a different distance. And it's just... It is their normal right now. Right. And it may get to change, we, right. we all hope, right? right, sooner than later. Um, but I think you're right. I think it's us who have had this um, idea that this was my experience in school and my kids right. should have the same one. We cling right? to the nostalgia. Of, yeah. You know. and, and of course we want that for all kids, that experience. Right. Like what's happening right now is not normal. Yeah. It's not normal. But it's better than nothing. You know, yeah. it's they're, they're together and they're – we're – we're figuring out how to how to bend and flex and do do the things we would do yeah. partner wise and um, you know turn and talk yeah you're six feet away and we'll figure out how to do this and mm-hmm. you're wearing a mask and it's hard to hear what your partner's saying and we've learned even like for here's a great example from this last week um, we used to do buddies like with an upper grade or mm-hmm. lower grade where you'd partner with another classroom right. and we can't do that now because mm-hmm. we can't intermix classrooms at all. Um, even at recess, we have our own little zones we play in. Gotcha. And um, fifth grade teachers were like, well, let's just be buddies on Zoom. We can still Zoom from our class. So we Zoom, uh. with, and it's so cool because they all have their headphones on, and they're they're Zooming with their buddy in the other classroom um, just for like 20 minutes. But yeah. it's, it's just so fun to, to see, like, we can be innovative and, and make some of these things work that we always used to do. Yeah. Just it looks differently. It looks different. Well, in in their reality, actually, is a more digital world ahead of them, and so this isn't this this is just more strange for us as grownups. Right. Yeah, totally. <laughs> oh, their they're technology just, skills they're gonna are amazing. Be, yeah, yeah, they're going to be going leaps and bounds ahead of us because of this. Um, technologies have had to shift really fast and become really innovative and. Um, and there's going to be a lot of industries these kids can go into because of it mm-hmm. that didn't exist before. So there's some exciting things for kids ahead of them. Definitely. Um, so we get into this last month, and I was so excited when I heard teachers were now open to get vaccines here in the state of Washington. And um, I'm with you. I think uh, it was, you know, should have been kind of first on the list with uh, healthcare providers. I think it's just uh, should be right um, up there the the safety to our to our school systems and getting everything in that regard back to normal. But you did get a vaccine. I did. You're on your way to <laughs> uh, that weight being lifted off of you. Um, what does the rest of the school year look like for you? You've been in school. You've been doing this. Does it uh, does it look like we get more flexibility? Do you guys know that yet? I don't think we know that in terms of um, students not being vaccinated. Yeah, 
and wanting prevent to prevent spread among students. You know, mm-hmm. we don't want students spreading COVID and taking it home to their families. Right. So I don't think that, you know, mask wearing and social distancing are going to change by the end of the year. Um, but it does make me feel, as the adult in the room, who wants more freedom and circulating and helping my students, and it makes me a safer person for them to be around. Right. Right. So well, that we opens up opportunities for me as a teacher in terms of just um, being able to deliver maybe a little bit more one-on-one instruction mm-hmm. to students. Um, whereas before I, re- I really needed to keep my, I, I still did, but at a distance and that's so hard to do. Yeah. It's not our natural inclination. Right. It's that self-check all the time. Right. <laughs> I just still do it when I go to the grocery store. I step up really close you know, close to people. And then I'm like, Casey pulls me back. He's like, Jess. Right. (laughs) Um, Which is really strange because my work environment is one of um, a lot of social distancing and all the precautions, but there's something that I just forget. I just turn revert back to being a human being and (laughs) who's not in a pandemic. Right. And uh, realizing that I, that I have to keep aware and keep um, present in the moment that we are still in right now. Um, so what is this, uh, are you guys still doing your pandemic walks, your COVID walks? We do them, um, not probably as frequently, but we, Mm -hmm. you know, it's funny the other day we, we went on one and we were kind of like, there's not, I mean, we've seen everything. We've covered like every inch of this neighborhood. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see what spring brings. Cause of course things change in the neighborhood and, and, uh, they'll, they'll of course always be new sites to see, but. We were laughing um, about the park over here and how we've lived in our home for over 15 years now, and we didn't realize the huge trail system that existed Ah. on the the backside of it. Like, I knew um, a portion of it, Uh and during the pandemic, we we explored up there, and we, we were like, how did we not know? That all this existed way back here yeah. <laughs> and that it was part of the park. Yeah. I so, think it's brought yeah. such an, uh, a new um, outlook on life for all of us. Um, I know it's not pleasant for everyone and it's not always a optimistic experience. Um, but I think, uh, you know, watching you and Joey um, approach the pandemic with, hey, what can we make of this? What can we explore? What can we adventure in? Um, you're always going to remember this last year for your COVID walks, right? right. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was talking to a colleague after school the other day, and I was like, you know, not everything's bad. Yeah. I I feel that my students are making huge gains this year. It's mm. been kind of amazing to see. Yes. Are there things that there were some gaps in? Of course, yeah. Do we have to build some stamina in some areas where they hadn't been used to, you know, like I think writing, of course, is an area mm. that was just probably very difficult for a parent to support their child right. with a writing project at home or, you know, so we're building some stamina and accountability in some, in some subject areas, maybe more than they needed in others. But, mm-hmm. you know, they're excelling at a lot of the subjects that I'm teaching and they're just so glad to be at school. And I think about, you know, like recess time at first, this idea of zones, I thought, gosh, that's just so sad. They, they might have a 
really good buddy in the other classroom across the hall, mm-hmm. and they'll never get to play with them all day long at school. Right. But then they come in from recess, and they're like, talking about these games they've made up because some weeks they rotate through different zones so some weeks they might just have ball field oh gotcha some weeks they have swings to play on some weeks they have you know the big toy to play on but the weeks where it's a little bit drab out there whatever zone they're in they're like creating these games and Mm -hmm. using their imaginations and I thought oh we're gonna have drama and arguments and you know little third grade scuttlebutt and there hasn't been all year they like they genuinely love on each other and Mm. they get along so well and I wasn't expecting that I thought oh they're gonna get tired of each other they're in the classroom Mm. together all day they're in these zones at recess and they can't intermix with other kids and it's been kind of magical to watch Mm. you know there's 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 some good coming out of it yeah they're they're having to use their imaginations and yeah and that can be just as important as what they're learning in the classroom Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just to, uh, to learn to innovate and, uh, right. and the social, um, adaptivity with each other. My mom used to say when I was raising my girls, when they were really little, she would say that just remember boundaries breed creativity. That when you set a parameter around something, then you're a force to create within it. And not that we want boundaries on everything, but sometimes it brings forth something we never would have had without the boundary. And um, these kids definitely have that. Um, And but (laughs) I think I think they know how to manage it much better than we do. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I love that that your mom said that. I think that that defines what we had to do in our careers, too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's think like about the things the that you guys was said. such a boundary. <laughs> it it was, and it's um, really reinvented a lot of people and lives. I know it did for Casey. Um, completely changed the direction of where you know what he's doing and where he's going. And um, but I also think it's a it is an opportunity um, for many of us to say what really matters to us. Um, what really matters to us as a community, as a society. Um, I think that even though we haven't known how to do it, we do say that education is uh, is a high value. We've had to have that right in front of our face mm-hmm. in a way that we didn't before. If we didn't have kids in school, we could just kind of let it go by and we didn't pay attention. But the pandemic has forced all of us to look at education and um, see what our community needs and how we need to do that. Um and education isn't just, you know, that realm isn't just the instruction of children. Yeah. It provides so much more, you know. It's a, it's a lunch and a breakfast for kids that need that. Yeah, you're it's, so right. It's uh, counseling mm. for students who need that. It's access to, so, you know, social workers. And, you know, the realm of public education provides so much more than, than a person whose experience problem. was just, um, as a student... Um, there's so much more happening mm-hmm. in a school district than than just your child's teacher. You know, there's yeah. there's so much going on in support of students and families that maybe not everyone is accessing. You know, absolutely. I I know that um, my girls uh, utilized uh, lots of aspects of their education, including counselors and resources and that sort of thing, and. The, the thought that those aren't accessible, at least in an easy way, 
mm-hmm. to kids is, um, you know, is a real pull on the household and pull mm-hmm. on our community. So I think you're so right that there's so many more pieces to public education than right. just being in the classroom. And for so many students, it's a safe place to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. In a safe place in terms of, uh, maybe family environment isn't, um, what it is for the person next door. Right. Um, but also just on a mental health level right. that we, we need human interaction. And I think that's what the pandemic has proven to all of us is that even for those of us who said, Hey, shelter me in, I'm good without people for a couple months. <laughs> um, at some point we get to a place where we're like, no, I, I really do need my community. I do need um, other people, other humans um, that I'm engaging with. Um, and Zoom just doesn't cut it all the time. No. <laughs> we do our best, but it's not Definitely. the same. I take, t- uh, when people walk into our office, I take their temperatures, you know. And um, I found myself this week saying, this is the new handshake. I'm sorry. I really wish I could <laughs> shake your hand, but I'm going to take your temperature instead. And and this inability to make human contact with people, to touch one another, is right. is really pulling after a while. So yeah. um, I look forward to the day when, you know, we're back to something where we get that too. Um, but in the meantime, I absolutely applaud what you do, Erica, in that, um, one, you've found the bright light in the midst of it, um, but also that uh, you're willing to do what it takes and be innovative in the process of helping um, our community's kids to yeah. keep to keep moving forward, to keep learning, mm-hmm. which I think is also part of the hope that this this isn't a, a terrible world that we live in. Right. It's just we're making some adjustments right now. Right. And, um, so well, I appreciate you. Teachers aren't just teachers. We're learners. Yeah. And I think in, in that we, we were willing to learn, you know, there's so much that we had to learn. Yeah. You know, we, we weren't always wanting the sudden, you know, right. No, <laughs> how do no I do didn't. this digitally? But we learned so much. And in some ways, I think that, you know, we were willing to embrace that in our, in our love of learning. Yeah. Well, okay, kids, we've got a big change here and we're all going to learn this together. Yeah. We're going to figure this out together. Um, wasn't always pretty. No, but you, you had the opportunity to lead a, another generation of people into the future and into an unknown future. We, you know, there's some days where we had a clearer idea than others of what this was going to look like. Um, but that's a, um, a great responsibility, but also I imagine a great privilege to be part of helping these kids move forward and which overall moves our community forward too. Yeah. So thank you. It's a privilege. Yeah. Well, I hope 2021 brings new adventures for you, Joey. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, outside of our neighborhood, hopefully. (laughs) I know. The the day we all get to uh, travel beyond our borders of, you know, our city or our neighborhood Mm -hmm. is going to be a beautiful thing. Um, So, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, you know, Casey made us uh, these beautiful martinis, these... uh, espresso martinis and i have almost finished mine and i've kept you talking so much we need to it's my fear of food noises (laughs) (laughs) well i will stop recording so that you can finish that beautiful martini thank you okay thank you erica thank you
Thank you for listening, and may you keep connecting all the beautiful parts of you. Thank you.